Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Welcome to this episode of the Musicians Adventure Podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Brien. And for this episode, I am joined by Raf, who is a Wisconsin Music Ventures member and also uh, hosts the in-person jam sessions and songwriting workshops for Wisconsin Music Ventures. But more than that, uh, Raf is a quite talented musician. Uh, Raf, he's bounced back and forth between Madison and Milwaukee over the past few years. Uh, he plays ukulele and piano and bass, and he also sings in addition to being a music producer, Raf, um, for the last few what, like years, maybe like a year and a half, has been um, the frontman for a band called Raf and Company, which is a contemporary fusion of pop, rock, and jazz. Uh, the band's lyrics share the most honest and vulnerable parts of themselves while providing a space to heal through the power of music. They've released several new songs on major streaming platforms, which includes seven songs in the last six months. Uh, they have a combination of ukulele, keys, guitar, drum, and bass, and the sound is comparable to Paramore, The Lumineers, and Lawrence. Whether performing live covers or original music, Raff & Company's collective spirit sparks powerful emotions, authentic conversations, and personal growth. Raf, I've been waiting for a while to have this conversation. Welcome to the Musician's Venture, my man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so Raf, I know right now, like after a six-month period where you're putting out seven songs and gigging and all of that stuff, um, it's probably kind of like a, you're at a time right now where you're in reflection. I know we talked about that um, recently on a Wisconsin Music Ventures meetup, um, but kind of be present with me right now. What is what is life like right now in the in the musical career of of Raf? Yeah, you know, uh, it's one of those things that I've been doing a lot of reflecting as the year has come into a close, and I've thought about you know what have I accomplished this year? What have I been able to do, and who have I been able to work with? And I really am just filled with a lot of gratitude. Uh, this year has been amazing, and I've learned a lot about myself and a lot of the musical creatives. So it's been an absolute pleasure. And I think for me right now, it's focusing on some recording. Uh, we went through a big releasing phase and now we're kind of back into that recording songwriting phase. And we're doing some, some things in a couple of different venues slash ventures that are incredibly exciting. And so for the, as we kind of people hibernate in, we're, we're hibernating into our studio and uh, we're doing some more recording and writing. How long has it been now that you've been making and releasing music? I would say about two years now. Uh, at, it was the December of 2020 where some music kind of became more of my focus. And then over the past two years, you know, now it's December of 2022. So yeah, I would say about two years I've been recording and releasing music. Okay. So it's been about two years where this has been like a 
not a, not necessarily a, a full-time thing. Is it a full-time thing for you? Yeah. You know, I think, I think it took about six months into 2021 to become like my full-time thing. And so ever since then it's been, it's been pretty full-time. Okay. Yeah. All right. But let's rewind back to the beginning. Um, Cause I get the impression that music has been a part of your life for, for, for a lot of it. Right. And, right. And, and so at what point in, you know, your life um, did you kind of, come upon this concept of 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 wanting to create music and and not just listen to it or or experience it from a consumption uh side of things what what was that like what inspired you to do that were there particular people or artists that influenced you to kind of go that direction yeah totally i i want to say it was like my junior year of college uh maybe even senior year and i i was in this performance group um in college i went to madison wisconsin and I was around some amazing musicians. I was a singer dancer in this group and there was a full band. And well, one of the members uh, whose name is Matt Harrow, he had a software called Ableton, which is like a digital audio workstation, which is how you record uh, like instruments and, you know, you can get your ideas from your head into the computer and he knew how to use it. And I was always a like a I like to write poems and poetry and in many ways my songs have kind of been evolutions from just poems and uh he is an incredibly talented musician and so probably junior year of college we started collaborating and I was like I really want to make my own music because as fun as it is to play other people's music it'd be cool to you know I feel like I have some things I want to say too and that's kind of how it how it evolved yeah when did you first pick up an instrument or when did you first start singing? Was that or in your childhood? So <laughs> I think it, it's been, it's been an interesting journey for me in, in the music. I, so I played cello. Cello was my first instrument ever. Oh, wow. I did yeah. not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. And I played it. Uh, wow. I think I started when I was like five. So I was really young and um, it was like my first musical like, inspiration focus. And I played that all the way through high school um and it was really really fun but i think i got burned out of like that side of music and i didn't feel a need to pursue playing after <clears throat> going to college and i wasn't a singer at all um i enjoyed singing but i wasn't trained or was in choir or any of that sort of you know like more formal um education and it was really like my freshman year of college I kind of had like this impulse to try an audition for uh, an acapella group in Madison. And uh, I didn't make it primarily because I couldn't like part sing, which is a big, uh, you know, qualifying criteria to be in those groups. Uh, so I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. And then uh, I tried to sing a little more and I tried to join the performance group called uh, Wisconsin Singers my sophomore year, which involves singing and dancing. And at that point, I'd gotten a little bit better at singing because I was practicing on my own, but I wasn't very good at doing formal choreography. So that didn't help <laughs> at all. Uh, so I didn't make the group that time. Um, and then something must have switched when I, when I was, when I didn't get in like that second time, I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to prove to like myself and to these people who kind of don't maybe don't believe in me, like I deserve to be here. And so I worked really, really hard at being, you know, a professional, a proficient singer and um, learning, you know, how to like basically learning how to learn how to dance um, in that type of style. And then my junior year, I, I made it into the group. And then my senior year, I was the company manager, and it was quite a journey from, oh, from singing. Wow. After that, that, singing was just really always a part of my life, and I've been kind of 
really into uh, getting better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have questions about the, the cello. Why the cello? Mm-hmm. Do you still play the cello? Yeah. So the cello, I guess way back when I probably didn't, I don't, I couldn't tell you why I jo- like it was the instrument that it was um, when I was like five. Um, And then do I still play it? Uh, not as much as I think I want to sometimes, but also it it's one of those things where I felt complete in my like cello playing journey uh i got an awesome opportunity with my high school orchestra to play at carnegie hall in new york so we were like that was when you know playing a lot a lot a lot and and i just i think after that i didn't feel ever as compelled to play it um and you know i think that it may circle back it may not but for now i'm really interested in learning other instruments like the ukulele and the bass so what has been the progression from cello to singing and then and then you started picking up other instruments the ukulele piano that yeah. type of stuff yeah mm-hmm. so it kind of went cello and i was like i mean to go even from the beginning at one point it was it was cello and then i was playing the cello and the piano like as a kid and then I was playing the cello and the piano and the I tried to learn the clarinet. Okay. Um, and then I was also trying to learn the guitar. So at one point I was like as a kid trying to learn like four instruments. And some then some things kind of derailed that uh experience. I some like health issues that came up, and then basically everything fell to the wayside. I kept playing the cello and then played it up and through high school. Still nothing else really, like no singing, no writing i think my senior year of high school i started kind of getting interested in like piano again but like four chord songs like that type of stuff and more like the singing part of me was coming out then in college uh some more singing and then even like junior year senior year college i was like i kind of want to accompany myself but i don't really want to play the guitar and I had been to have like a $40 ukulele. So I just started playing that a bunch, which was really fun. And then once I graduated, I was like, I really should be improving like my instrument playing so I can accompany myself when I go out and try to do gigs. So then I was like starting to learn the piano again. And the ukulele was growing, like my skills were growing there. And it wasn't until recently where I started playing the bass guitar. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And it seems like like in your college years when you were trying out for these groups and weren't making it, but then, you know, putting the work into your singing and your dancing, and then you made it and then you progressed to being the company manager. Was there some sort of um, kind of like rush or adrenaline in the, the, the pursuit of this goal that you had that has kind of now transcended into who you are as like a full-time musician and producer and like you said with the cello, like you, you, you reached Carnegie Hall and then you were kind of like, I got to the top of, you know, of what I wanted to get to with the cello. Um, I guess I'm curious, what is the top now, you know, from, from where you're at in your musical journey? Yeah. You know, I think, I think that was kind of almost why I felt like I had, why I was complete in the cello was because there to me was, like an end goal, like in the end goal was to play through high school. Um, and I kind of was going through, even though I enjoyed the cello, I was still going through those motions. And I think that uh, I was 
something I've learned over the last couple of years, truthfully, is that when I attach myself to some goal, I lose the process of the journey and I lose like the fun that the journey is. And um, it's, it's becoming now apparent to me that, that there's really no end goal. Like I have, I guess I have very big dreams that allow me to, you know, continue to grow for a very long time. But those goals aren't something like uh, play, play, you know, here uh, for 100 people or, or, you know, be able to play a certain song. I'm just really into the process of uh, getting better overall. And I'm trying to incorporate like, the way I want to do that into my life rather than saying like, oh, this is my goal. And so for, for me right now, there is no end. It's more just like I am here and I'm excited to to be here. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let's let's zoom in a bit on Raft and Company. Um, because I know that's been a journey as well. I, I first of all, I love the way that it's introduced on the website, the collective spirit between creatives. Mm, and and so you know, start from the beginning with with Raff and Company. I assume that you were gigging alone, and then you realized that you wanted to put some others around you. Just like, how did that come together? What was the vision? And like, take me through, you know, that moment to to now. Yeah. So Raff and Company really, I always knew I loved collaboration, and collaborating with other people would be a core like a core belief or thing I would always do. I just didn't know what that meant for me in terms of who I was going to be collaborating with, because at the time that music was really evolving for me, I was in college. I was college to be an engineer. And also I was getting a degree in uh, econ. And so I, besides the performance group, which was a great group of people, I wasn't around people that were considering doing music after college and even lots of the people in that performance group are majoring in music and so i was unsure at the time how i was going to make that happen so to me i just wanted the raft and company to kind of symbolize a flow of creatives and they might not even be like musicians like i like collaborating with people who are into fashion or people who you know like doing other mediums like drawing or art uh or like website design it's just i think there's a certain type of mindset you have when you're creative and the raft and company kind of idea felt like it g- grabbed that and so i was um interested in pursuing that and then the raft and company uh vision also would include like having a band as part of the you know it's it's kind of idea mm-hmm. yeah so how did you find the other creatives in company yeah so uh i think it kind of went through like a lot of open mics i was just going to tons of open mics and this is when i was in milwaukee so you know just like i was going to you know lineman's and brown cafe and every every open mic i could could get my hands on or knew was happening and you meet a lot of musicians and then some people are in you know four other bands already so it's like they don't have the the bandwidth to be in yours and eventually uh it kind of settled into uh, a couple there was two two band members and who were in the group who i uh were three actually who were in the um the performance group i was in in college so some of them you know carried over and then one i met at an open mic in madison and one i met 
basically a chance occurrence at a gig that they were playing in and I was a spectator and then we just hit it off and started started working together. And so it has really been a, a random con- conglomeration of how I met these people. And there's six of you, right? Yeah, at, at Raph and Company, there at the in the in the biggest iteration, there have been six. And you know, as the nature of musicians, sometimes they ebb and flow. So mo- sometimes less than six, and sometimes up to six. And even the members themselves sometimes rotate. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think first time I saw you play was at Dead Bird Brewing, mm-hmm. um, and it was just you. But you had um, another member of the company come and join you for a couple of songs. Yes, yeah. So that would have been. For a couple of songs. So was it for the whole set or just a couple? I think it was just a a, a handful of songs that well, she sang with you. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been Mari. And um, that was at the time when I was doing almost exclusively just solo gigs with, you know, uh, a couple people here and there. Or we'd be splitting gigs because I didn't have three hours worth mm-hmm. of material. And yeah, Mari, I met in uh in the performance group and yeah she was a she was a singer dancer and she sang in the band and um was was an awesome member and this is a great example of like how they kind of ebb and flow like she's now in colorado mm-hmm. and so she's not currently in the band obviously because logistically that wouldn't make any sense right um but yeah yeah that was that was the first time and and it has grown and melded and Mari is the female vocalist on the songs that you have out right now. Yes, she is. So we have a couple of her, a couple of songs where she's on them. Uh, right now, Coniferous Love uh, mm-hmm. features her vocal exclusively, mm-hmm. and then in IDK, that's that's her singing as well, and she's singing, you know, harmonies on some tracks, and um, it's you know awesome that we were able to work together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember the. I think it was maybe the only other time I've seen you perform live was at the Miramar. Uh-huh. And that was a full band show. Yeah. And holy cow, the energy and the <laughs> chemistry that y'all have on stage. I mean, that place you had people jumping around and dancing. It was great. And it was just like it was such a a, a dichotomy between like, you know, seeing you play keys and, and ukulele with like a you know, kind of a female vocalist at Deadbird to the full band being there. I was like, holy cow, <laughs> I knew he had this in him, but I hadn't seen it yet. I hadn't experienced it yet. And it was awesome. So yeah, I mean, you guys brought it out and uh, I think everyone there realized that. So along with, you know, the performing element and the singing and the playing, like you're also handling the producing and I would imagine a lot of like the business side mm-hmm. of of the of the band. Let's dive into both of those things. Let's go with the with the producing first. Like you said, you you met a friend in college who was you know had this software that was. I'm assuming that's where it kind of sparked your your interest. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so the software is called Ableton, and it's just like honestly happened to be the one that I was introduced to first, and so I downloaded it and started working with it, and like you know, took a class that helped me understand it even more. And then that really allowed me to have enough knowledge to be dangerous with uh, the software and, you know, recording people and also like recording my own ideas and working on songs there. And then when I became, you know, more, basically when I met uh, Evan, who was the drummer in Raffin Company, uh, he has a studio, um, more professional has some analog gear he does like a hybrid setup so he does some stuff uh in the box and then some stuff is outboard gear and he really allowed me our conversations allowed me to you know take my knowledge to the next level and our combination of working with each other is really good because he 
has a little bit more technical ability than than I do, and he's um, incredibly competent in that field. And I have, I feel like the, the vision, and I know what I want to achieve. And he's we're allowed, we're able to work together in that that capacity. But I've also done projects where you know I'm the sole producer, mixer, and um, it's it's really cool. Yeah. So these these seven songs that Raffin Company has put out in the last six months, that's been a collaboration between you and Evan. Yes. In terms of the production. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, a lot of late nights where we're talking and working on the track, and it's it's cool to to see his process and to him see mine. And uh, it's been yeah, it's been a very very collaborative process because you definitely want to be working with people who push you to be better. So, and I'm imagining that you've grown a lot since <laughs> first interacting with Ableton. And yeah, 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 definitely. Um, you, you are you able to kind of like like appreciate the fruits of that growth like what in is there anything in particular from the producing perspective that you feel like you've gotten a lot better at or a lot more proficient at that has yeah um kind of colored the 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 songs uh that you're you're putting out in these last six months um i think it's it's been really nice just i kind of forget that i went through that sometimes which is funny how that happens you know we go through something difficult and then you take for granted that knowledge that you have sometimes and I just realized it's like I know what I need to do to kind of quickly get my ideas into the uh, into the software. And I think it's been really cool to like I talk to musicians who don't know anything about getting like just even their voice into an audio interface into a digital audio workstation. So we can start, you know, there, but also doing a little bit, you know, going into more technical understanding of like how do you eq something how do you compress something how do you make a drum set um those things are are also super important and have grown in that capacity as well yeah yeah so let's talk about the business side now i mean you handle the booking and i'm the like promotion all that do you are you kind of the business side of raffin company yeah i i would say so it's it's really been um a huge learning experience in that aspect as well because the business side of any business is super important and sometimes i catch myself even getting so into the business that i'm not allowing myself to create Mm -hmm. but the business yeah from you know promotion to marketing to vision and logo design uh i've worked with you know creatives to help me with those things but just understanding what do i want it to all look like and uh obviously booking is super important uh as a musician so setting up those contacts and making sure that there's good rapport so you can get them again or uh just grow your network is always really important so yeah and honestly like i love talking to people and getting to know them so i don't feel like i have like a hard time networking uh just being myself but i also think sometimes you look at all the numbers and you're like okay you get a little in the weeds with those things so (laughs) so is the number side of the business would you say that's like the most challenging part of of kind of being in that role for the band or just as a musician in general yeah honestly the most challenging part uh isn't it's not the numbers it's it's the how do i say it's like the ability to pull yourself out from being so into the numbers and and being in this super business mindset like where's the where's the return on investment or like approaching it like you're you know the everything has to be some sort of combination of business and and other people's business it's like 
you get so stuck in that you're like hold on like I'm doing this all because I like to make music and I want to be a creative and switching gears is the hardest part I think for me so I've been better at finding the balance where I don't feel so much like I'm switching gears rather I just know when I need to put a little bit more emphasis on one side of like a pendulum yeah and how are you like how are you developing yourself in that realm like are there different people in your life or bandmates um uh, or you know coaches or whatever maybe advisors mentors that are kind of guiding you along this process yeah you know i think something that's awesome about the age of that we live in is like there's just a lot of information out there so like i would say there's a couple there's definitely some people that i, sh- I should shout out like I, I have a i have a goals coach that i meet with weekly um and he's been instrumental in uh, allowing to really get my mindset right about how I approach these goals and really like, how do I want to kind of show up in my own life? And uh, he, he, if you go to Raising Vibrations, his name is Andre and he's he's great. Um, I really owe him a lot over the last two years we've been working together. And then, you know, like books are an incredible source of knowledge and um I've been reading. So, you know, you could, to some extent, you could say that the people, those authors have mentored me because I'm reading <laughs> everything that they know in a consolidated format. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like the, the bandmates too, like they, they are always open to having like those conversations and uh, allowing to have like those bounce, those back and forth. Cause it sometimes something that makes sense in your head doesn't make sense when you say it out loud and just being open has, has been really important as well. Yeah, I think last time we talked, you um, you you kind of recommended a particular book, uh, Atomic Habits. Yeah, by James Clear. Yeah, yeah, that seems like it's been pretty instrumental in like kind of framing your thoughts around yeah. habits. Yeah, that that book was really that was a big book for 2022 for me. I I I try to I'm not like I would say I'm just I'm someone who reads maybe like four or five books a year and tries to extract everything I can from those books rather than like ripping through tons and tons of books. Um, And that book was really big for me because I think it, it helped me understand like, how can I sustainably reinforce like good habits and how do I break some bad habits as well as really like, like looking at, or just kind of hearing, hearing the way he thinks about habits, you know, because in, in that kind of field of maybe self-help or like motivation, like to some extent they're saying the same thing, but it's just how they say it may resonate with you. So it resonated with me. Are there any other books that you'd recommend for uh, for just people, but musicians in particular? Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's, there's, there's three that come to mind. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. All right. Um, uh, one, one is everything you need to know about the music business. That's a it's a pretty thick book, but it goes in depth about a lot of stuff. And uh, if it's it's one of those books where if you want to really get a good understanding of things, like if you're gonna if you're trying to be signed, if you're trying to be independent, and he you know talks about like some of the actual numbers and percentages that you should like probably expect because it's written by a music lawyer who's been in the industry for twenty plus years. Um, I would recommend that. Uh, another book in the vein of kind of like self-help motivation mindset is how to stop doubting your greatness by Jen Sincero. Um, that's a really big book. I've read it three times and I always extract little nuggets from it. And I'm like, dang, again, like just the way 
that she says some things really resonate with how I feel like I get stuck in my own head about stuff. And uh, the third one is how to build a sustainable music career by Emily White. Um, I feel like very practical knowledge that you could implement like today that when could really help you um, kind of get all your stuff in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, former podcast guest, actually, Emily White. Look at that. Yeah. Um, uh, I know she's she's been helpful to a lot of musicians in the Wisconsin Music Ventures community. Yeah. So looking back at like, you know, everything from starting as a five-year-old playing cello to <laughs> where you are now and the growth that you've experienced you know, in particular, just like this year, it seems like it's been a big year for you internally. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you think you've had to face and, and overcome? And and how did you address those challenges? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenge or challenges I've had to face is uh, understanding, like, how to be how to be a good how to really be a good listener and collaborator in the creative space. I think that I've at times been very protective of my own creative energy and idea. And I think to an extent that's important, but also uh, finding a way to really allow for other people's creative genius to shine in your own ecosystem is really important and i think i have grown a lot in that this year um because i really like collaborating uh and in order to continue to foster that you need to i i I find myself constantly being challenged on you know who is who is talking right now is it the person like in my head is it the person that needs to set boundaries or is it the person is it the ego and are they trying to be resistant towards good ideas because it's serving some narrative that I tell myself and um that that has really been a big challenge for me and also um I think uh something that comes to mind is also just songwriting is something that I I I know there's more within me and I've realized that the better I've gotten at becoming more vulnerable with other people, the better songs I've written and the, and the better I've been able to perform those songs. Um, and that is a scary thing because, you know, sometimes I'm writing something down and I'm like, wow, do I really feel that? Or have I thought that? And if that's true, can I say that? like to a group of other people who are listening like it 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 feels uh incredibly like vulnerable to open myself up to it but i really want to go there because i think those are where the best of myself is in terms of songwriting yeah man there's so much you said just in that answer alone that i'm like (laughs) oh it's like it it's it's at my my core it's uh, what i believe as a creative you know i think you and i are very similar in the sense that um collaboration is critical to who we are like i live a life that is 100 percent determined by the relationships that i have and um you know the way that i can bounce ideas off of other people and take other people's ideas and mix them into my own and that type of stuff but as you mentioned that does require an intense amount of vulnerability because when you think about collaboration at least the way i think about it is 
it's not just a collaboration of people. It is more or less the collaboration of energy and, you know, spirits and just like perspectives. And I think where you mentioned kind of maybe sometimes the ego getting in the way, dude, I experienced that all the time. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I brought this idea to the table. Yeah. So my, you know, feedback, my perspective on it should be valued more than other people's. And it's mm. such a journey, a process to get to the point of like, no, like this is what you're bringing to the table for this particular project or song or idea or whatever it may be. And if you have more, share it, but like, don't hold on to the only thing that you brought to the table as ha having any more like value than anybody, whatever anybody else can bring to it. So yeah, man, it's just for as a creative, I think it's that that challenge that you just spoke about is like the ultimate constant, you know, evergreen challenge that I think creatives have to have to consistently face. Yeah, yeah. And like, just to, I guess, almost like acknowledge like the business aspect of that is when it comes down to, you know, understanding like songwriting splits or uh, mechanical royalties, like you, you you still like for sure give people like those space to be creative and like allow that to open up, but also know, know what is like, know what is yours and know what you brought to the table because there shouldn't be a scenario in which you have contributed a majority to some project or a lot to, and you're not getting your fair share in sense of like the, the lyrics or like how much energy you put into producing it and stuff. And it, it also, you know, comes to a space and, and, uh in the you know songwriting creative world where especially if you're starting out you know people will often like help you if you help them in the sense that like it'll kind of go what goes around comes around but i'm just saying like to really know like your way around some some important business information regarding that stuff because like yeah that is important too so in the is it a is it a challenge for you to treat the creative process um, in a certain way that's generally like more collaborative versus like the business side of things where you, there kind of has to be kind of clear like boundaries and like, you know, points where it's like, okay, where, what, what you brought, what you contributed is worth this much versus what somebody else contributed versus what I contributed. Like, how do you bounce back and forth between those two kind of, spheres of experience when it comes to the creative part and the business part yeah you know i think i think it's all really about like communication and setting up like the expectation on the front end i don't try to like when you're in when you're talking with someone about writing a song or collaborating like there's there's no in my mind like there's no benefit to trying to like gatekeep information that i know to another creative like if i'm like hey we're gonna write a song no matter like and we sit down together and like no matter what happens say i'm writing i wrote 60 of the 100 lines and you wrote 40 it's like it doesn't matter it's just we're just doing 50 50 like we're collaborating in it mm -hmm. and i would set that up on the front end you know because it's that's fair like it there's no reason to try and like muscle someone out just because you may know something more than them or have some idea that they you know that they didn't have like it it i think when you're really clear about the business side of it it allows for you to relax and just be creative 
you know? Yeah. It, it, it gets more stressful in my mind when you have the conversation on the back end because you're already too late. Like it's now it's now you're going to fight about lines and that's going to get that's going to get hairy. Yeah. Have, have you always had this kind of like perspective on the value of like, you know, open, honest, upfront communication? Or has that been something that's kind of been more developed in, the, in these last couple of years, like working with so many other people in the music industry? Um, I mean, it's definitely been developed. I think like I, I, you just, when you learn kind of as you go, because frankly, like I didn't know how I needed to conduct myself in the sense that you, like, how does that stuff work was, I was unknown when I was collaborating with people at first, you know, mm -hmm. and then you're like, oh, okay. Like I could see how this could be a little bit tricky if we waited. So let's just have these conversations up front because then it's, it's, it's easier to just like, I don't know, be excited about the thing you want to be excited about. And um, I think in my, in my experience, when you're upfront and clear about the business, and if you really know, like what you're, what, what's kind of, what should go down, like I, there's, I think people tend to appreciate it more than in the back of their mind, they're thinking about it, or, you, you know, you think you're thinking about it, and it's just not being talked about. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think we've had this conversation on the podcast before. So I just keep on, I got my shovel and I'm just going to keep yeah, on digging. Of course. Yeah. Um, like, so give me an example of how you approach that type of situation with, you know, let's just say it's you and your band and, you right. know, like, how did you, how did you go through that process? Were you the first person that said, Hey, we need to set expectations kind of and communicate from the get go or like, I guess what you know now in terms of the the power of that, the value of that, like, how would you start that again? Like, mm -hmm. what's that process like? Yeah, I think, okay, that's a really good question. So I think there is a level of, there's so there's a lot of communication that should happen, but also at the end of the day, like, you just can, tr you should, trust people and then see where they meet you like you don't have to continue to hold out on like some people who aren't you know they don't show up or they always cancel like it's apparent that they may not be able to meet you what at what you need and that's okay that i don't even think that is a reflection on on them necessarily i just think that is a reflection on the situation in which what you want versus what they can give so to start off it's like communicating is important and then trusting that they will give you what they can and if there's something that you are looking for or saying hey can you give me more or are you interested in you know putting time into this then that will help and um or that we you know that will or will not happen because um i try to when we're having like like talks with a band i'm like if it is not something that like you think you can commit to just say no and let's understand like what we can give like there's no reason to overcommit and um also i think the longer i've gone in this realm the more i've valued focus on a couple tasks specifically versus um a lot of tasks and it doesn't feel like you can you're making meaningful progress because you're just too spread out mm -hmm. um and then like, for instance, to, to have an example, like with like money, right. Uh, say just for easy, like numbers, say we, there's, there's five people in the band 
and we do a, a gig for, we do an hour gig for $120, right? Um, I tell the band up front because I'm doing all of the booking and the communication of this, I'm going to take like between 15 and 20% of the $120 kind of as like the quote unquote booking agent. All right. So say I take 20%. So there's a hundred dollars left and then we all are just paid evenly. So it's $20 for every person. Now we definitely try to go and get paid more. I was going to say, yeah, I'm just saying that's easy yeah. numbers. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, you, you, and I'm up front with them saying like, I'm trying to get us the best, the best price for our gig and value our time and your time and energy. And so like, that's, that's what I do. And also like, if there's someone in the band, for instance, like the drummer provides um, his PA, right. His PA to the gig. We all are in agreement that like, he should get a little bit more for the gig. Cause he's also putting up some of his like gear. That is not just his like personal gear. Like it's supplementing for the whole band to, to perform at a level that we want to. So there's stuff like that, that we, um, I'll do. And, uh, it's something we like talk about right away. Like, I'm like, Hey, this is the gig. This is how much we're being offered. This is what it would look like for all of us. Are you interested in it? And we just have a talk from there. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's really helpful. Like, um, I, I imagine that, yeah, again, like what you said, like having that conversation up front is better than just getting paid for it and being like, and then trying to work it out after the fact. Yeah. And there are some gigs you don't know what you're going to get paid because it's like, okay, well, you make the door. So mm -hmm. you're not sure how much um, is like going to come in. And so like in that case, what whatever does come in, uh, depending on the gig, like some gigs are less about booking and more about promotion. And so I would say it's more of just like an even split there because I look at it like if we're all equally, you know, investing in the promotion of the of the event then it's it, like it's not like it was a bunch of progress and didn't take a bunch to book the gig we need to promote the gig you know sure sure um and yeah that has gone well too and and in the i mean in the stage we're at like to be candid it's not like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that are like being like flowing through every gig but we're trying to set up this style of communication so if money and when money like comes on the table that's larger we're all just in agreement yeah, yeah yeah that makes total sense yeah i think the 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 dollars and cents in terms of the amount doesn't matter as much at any it's just like the structure and the way that you go about like setting expectations and communicating mm -hmm. something else i'm interested in is like you have you've spent you know a decent amount of time through college and even you know even this year you were in madison for you know, a handful of months. Yeah. But, but now you're back in Milwaukee. Right. And, you know, you're kind of getting immer immersed in two different music scenes. Um, I'm curious, like what your perspective is on like, you know, the Madison and Milwaukee music scene, what are, what is similar, what is different? Um, are there different cultures? Are there, are the people in those, you know, respective music scenes, are there differences and similarities there? Just curious about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's interesting because I went... So while I was in, you know, Milwaukee initially, I was doing a lot of cover gigs, three-hour, two, three-hour sets, you know, um, you just, like, solo or sometimes duo. And that was, like, 
how I saw Milwaukee's music scene for a while because, and there was a lot of gigs, like there was a lot of opportunity. Like you could really, if you wanted to fill yourself up with gigs at in that capacity. Um, and that was cool. I, I enjoyed that. I wasn't as vested in original music at that, in that moment. And so when I went to Madison was kind of at a transition period where I got more like, I want to be doing more original stuff. So I wasn't looking as heavily for like those cover gigs. Um, although I did, when I did look, I found them a little bit harder to find definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, or like when they're the music that I've seen in Madison is kind of like, you have like, um, what I would consider like cover band music at like, you know, a couple bars, like full band stuff. Right. You have, um, like playing at like the majestic or the sylvie like established establishment the burr oak like these are established venues where you know you um can play original music and you can get a crowd there but you also may need to kind of show that you have some credibility to play at these venues uh, definitely to play you have credibility to play at those venues um and there's also like straight up like there's some house parties where it's like you're playing you know outside house party or like in a, in a basement like those style and I think as I've continued to develop the original music career, like Madison is awesome in that space. I think I uh, I haven't had as much experience in Madison while doing the music. So I can't speak to it as fully as maybe other musicians can. But I think that the, it is a great scene. I do see that like in the open mics I go to, there tends to be an older demographic, which is interesting because in Madison know, Madison's like a college town yeah that is I did, like a lot of jazz and like jam band style which is really cool um I like the talent is unreal there too like just a lot of really good musicians that just have been playing for a while so it's really cool um but of course you know you meet young people like I met one of my bandmates there so they're <laughs> and it's a college town so mm -hmm. they're there um and then in Madison in uh, Milwaukee yeah there's just like Milwaukee is really interesting because I think in the last year and I think in the next like four or five years, the music scene is going to blossom into something that I truthfully think will compete with like with like towns and cities or cities that you think are like those are music cities like LA and Atlanta and like places where you go like Nashville like because I think there's a there's a there's a certain type of feeling that I'm just getting with milwaukee music that's interesting yeah like say more about that what are you picking up on is it, is I, it i just think there's like it's so you have to okay so you look at like the the, the sheer population of milwaukee versus those other cities isn't like it's i don't know do you know the population of like nashville by chance versus milwaukee uh i'm pretty sure nashville's a, a bit smaller than than milwaukee mm -hmm. i'm not I'm not certain we could but, fact check it right now yeah, we could fact check it but live. like we have a large amount of people right all and like who i think are not like so far removed from like the the pulse of creative life and so when you combine that with like this bigger kind of vehicle that like is business that potentially if done correctly could fuel a sort of like successful musician ecosystem may be in place the things that like you need to you know 
think about when like that's happening is like you really need to ensure like the support of like the smaller businesses um in my opinion to uh foster like growth because i think this is maybe my not the downside of madison but in my opinion like there's there's it's it was difficult in the six months I was there to find like the gateway of like, like you're, you're kind of like grinding your, your chops with like your band to like elevate. And in Milwaukee, I think it's there. Mm. Like there's a, I know of a lot of venues where it's like, or places where it's like, these are basement gigs. These are party gigs. Like, but like people actually give a shit if it's what you're, what you're like your music and like, they're there to have a good time. And like, they'll like care who you are. And like, I think like that just reminds me so much of like in 20 years from now, they're like, yeah, like we played in this basement for like six months and people gave a shit and it was like really cool. Mm -hmm. And it meant something. Yeah. 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 Well, the fact check is, is in. Yeah. Um, so like the Nashville proper, uh, like the city of Nashville is just about 40 or 50,000 people more than Milwaukee. There you go. Milwaukee's metro area there's about a hundred thousand bigger mm-hmm. um, than Nashville's Milwaukee's Metro is at 1.4 million and Nashville's just shy of 1.3 million. So similar size cities, but yeah, I, I'm picking up on that too. And I'm hearing a lot of other people say that like Milwaukee's music scene is like, it is, is experiencing a bit of a Renaissance right now. Um, and there's a collective energy that I think, again, I've only been here for, you know, three or so years and really have been in the music scene for really just about the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems as though the people who have been in it for a while are noticing, you know, a resurgence of this burst of energy, both from the, from the musician artist side and from the, you know, the, the paid, like the consumer side, like shows, more people are coming out for shows. Yeah. More people are seem to be kind of interested in in original music, nothing against cover music by any means, but right. Like it, they're, I think that's a demographical thing too. Like this, this generation, mm-hmm. millennials and Generation Z, um, I think music has just been a really important part of 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 their lives. And there's a there's an experience that is heightened when that when you can experience it live. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I feel like every week I see the emergence of a new Milwaukee band, like a new a new original Milwaukee band. I'm like, this is so sick. Like. Cause I think there's just so like you ever see the stuff where it's like this, like the same three bands, like famous bands came from the same place around the same time mm-hmm. and like the same area. And like, they were like, yeah, like they opened for them and they opened for them. And like, they were just gigging around for a couple of years. It's like, I just feel that sort of idea and energy in Milwaukee right now. And uh, the, the thing that I hope for as in like the next 10 years is, if and this is will always be a very difficult thing for artists but like it it doesn't have to be i think it's just like how can like the 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 musician um be comfortable not just like survive you know mm-hmm. um that I, I i i mean i still need to think about too as i'm I'm one of those musicians, you know. Yeah. So trying to trying to survive. Well, I think there's that. also something to be said about like, um, you know, there are some cities you go, you're in, and if you're a musician, and people ask you what you do, and you say you're a musician, there's they'll say like, okay, what do you really do? Oh, you know. Yeah. Versus in Milwaukee, I at least maybe it's the circles I'm in, but 
if you if you tell if someone tells you that they're a musician there's not like that well what do you really do there's like oh that's awesome like wh what band like when are you playing next it's like it that's really it's like true. a legitimate profession you know mm. it's a legitimate yeah. like career to have and um i think that's just the sign of a, of a city coming into um a culture that yeah. is that is you know starting to skew younger and starting to skew kind of more open and uh more of an inspirational creative type culture yeah than this you know work at the factory you know for 30 40 years then you retire that type of stuff right. nothing against that by any means but just um i don't know i'm just i'm there just little things that i pick up on and uh, yeah it, it, it totally aligns with what you're thinking too you know what i also just thought of honestly on this topic is like the first band in the next like two or three years to break like i think like break into more mainstream industry mm -hmm. i think it'll be really important to see what they do if they stay in milwaukee mm -hmm. and they're like i'm gonna invest in milwaukee or if they go to the la if they go to like the nashville and like do that thing mm -hmm. there because i think that also is a very difficult thing where it's like when you start grabbing momentum do you go to the city that already can meet you where you're trying to go or you're trying to like bring up the city, you know, because that's also important. Like, what do they, what do they do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge piece of it. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's like, do we want to create our, our own kind of image or, or, or does that band, you know, want to go and kind of follow where the other bands have gone? Cause you're, you're right. Absolutely. Like when that happens, if they stay in Milwaukee, like people will be like around the country will be like okay milwaukee you know like yeah as opposed to oh well they didn't belong in milwaukee so they left and went to la or right. atlanta or whatever you see, you see the tours and it's yeah. like you know where are they going and mm -hmm. like where are they and and like say a milwaukee band breaks right it's like okay but they're touring and but then now they home base in la it's like and then when they come back to milwaukee is it like damn milwaukee shows out for them and something mm -hmm. How interesting would it be for like a, a band that is really popular to actually do like m m uh, many smaller shows in Milwaukee, potentially yeah. like uh, hundred like cap yeah. and they just do five of them because it's like, I'm just going to sell out these small venues because it's like, that's what's important right now is instead of going to like, I'm not saying this is wrong or right. I'm just postulating like going to Pfizer and playing like the huge show mm -hmm, right the mm -hmm. one show where versus like five very small shows or six you know yeah I don't know well I mean I experienced a little bit of that with my you know during my time in Eau Claire um that was just a couple of years after uh you know Justin Bonin and Bernie Bon Iver had won a couple of Grammys uh-huh and you know Justin's home base like I mean, for, for all that I know, is still in Eau Claire. Like April Bass, like his recording studio is still outside of Eau Claire. Mm -hmm. And I know he's spent a lot of time in other cities, Minneapolis, and uh, you know, around the around the world as well. But like he put on the Eau Claire's festival as like a no, like I'm an Eau Claire, you know, native, I'm an Eau Claire musician. And to be able to see, you know, Bon Iver and Big Red Machine and the National and all these like globally relevant bands play essentially in a field next to a river yeah. in in northwestern wisconsin you know is it was amazing right and I, that that alone kind of did what you were talking about like now all of a sudden 
you know, musicians and artists are moving from Portland and New York and, you know, L.A. to Eau Claire because mm-hmm. that had had kind of put a stake in the ground. That, like, this is a creative city. You can make things happen here. Right. Um, so hopefully that, types of, that same type of thing happens with Milwaukee yeah. and, and, and largely in Wisconsin. I think we have a lot yeah. to offer here, but I think our humility <laughs> sometimes gets in the way of that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, well, thanks for entertaining the conversation. Yeah, about no, the music sure. scene. Um, let's zoom this back in on, on you and, and Raff and company. You submitted a song that the listeners will hear after this conversation, IDK. Yeah. It's one of those seven songs you put out in the last six months. Uh, let's talk about that song. Uh, what was the inspiration behind it? It's, it's, it's you and Mari, mm-hmm. you know, vocally and like, tell me about the, the lyrics. Like, what does that yeah. song mean? It it really was kind of like it means to <laughs> so IDK it kind of talks about like that that moment in time where you're reflecting and you're like, dang, I don't know what I'm doing. And maybe that's okay because at the end of the day, sometimes like you look around, you're walking around a busy street, and you're like, who really's got their shit together like at all points? And obviously there are times where it's important to know what you're doing and and feel like you're put together and other times it's okay to be like you know I don't fully know but I'm gonna keep on going and I think as an extension that thought molds itself lyrically to that idea as well as like this relationship where you're in a relationship with someone and the answers you have or like the the answers to the questions are right there in front of you, but you're refusing to like look at them. And that will ultimately be like a disservice because it's not going to be healthy for you. And uh, sometimes things that once were really great kind of break down. And ultimately you were like, you, you, you could like, what happened? You know, something like what happened? Like, I don't know. And that may be okay in temporarily, but I think it serves yourself to to add like to be reflective and um that question the, the song kind of revolves around those ideas yeah 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 did, did did you write that one alone was that you and mari yeah so that was a co-write mari and i wrote that one together um and it was really funny the way it started because it was just us like uh writing it i think just like in in, in, in like my room maybe even in this room and it was, it was like, I think she said, she was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I was like, but who the hell knows what they're doing? And then we were like, that sounds, that sounds weird now. It's like, what if we, what if we sing it like really intensely? And I think it's funny to like hear it on the track. And when we, when we perform it live, we're really like singing it with, with some grit. So it it has come to, to be really fun. To yeah. Play. I was, uh, I was jamming it on repeat on the way over here and uh, just everything about that song, like, yeah, I mean it's it's a really good listen. Right? It's a good experience, like from you know the 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 vocals, the way that you kind of um, complement each other. To I mean, there's a really nice guitar solo in there too. Yeah, yeah, that's Matt Harrow on the on the guitar. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I I look forward to a time in the future when I get to see that song played live because I don't I don't think was that song created. Did you guys play that at the Miramar? Um, that may have been at the Miramar. Yeah, that might have okay. been at the Miramar. Okay, all right. And, well, um, mm-hmm. that one, that one was probably at the Miramar. Definitely, that, that might have been like the first time I heard it. And I think in that experience, like I was just so overtaken by <laughs> the energy. 
I, I wasn't necessarily listening to the lyrics. Um, I don't know. There's something about just a live performance that is, right. you know, it's more of the experience with the people on the stage and the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to listen more to lyrics when I'm listening to recorded stuff and, and more of the music, you mm-hmm. know, when I'm, when I'm live, but um, yeah. So um, you, you've put out seven songs these last six months, like such a tear, you know, and, and now you're, you're, you're focusing, as you said, hibernating, um, doing some writing, recording, and um, I know you don't want to get into it now, but there's you know some some new things in the works yep. Um, yep. that listeners can can look forward to. Um, anything else that you'd want to share about just like what's on the horizon and and what you would want to uh, have listeners look out for? Yeah, you know I think um, the the music has been super super um, enjoyable and refreshing and. I honestly like this is kind of the thing with those goals that we had talked about. Like I had set the goal to actually release like three more songs at the end of the year, but I we weren't able to get there just sustainably, like with the level that we wanted to put out songs with. So it's like I don't fault myself for that. It was a learning experience, but you know, therefore there are definitely songs that we we have in the in the works that are really excited for. And Raff and Company has been has been you know largely uh, a a collaborative endeavor that has revolved around my own personal vision. And so it will be interesting to see, you know, when, if, and when I bring in other visions into another project, uh, how those will creatively, you know, look and kind of materialize. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's like the, the trailer, the teaser. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And Raph, I always end every episode, uh, every interview with the same question. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a big one, but you, you, I feel like you'll receive this one well. <laughs> so, you know, we've kind of dove into over the course of this interview, like who you are as a, as a musician, just the the trajectory, the the timeline of things, you know, from cello to singing and dancing to ukulele and piano and guitar and um, producing and all of that. But for you as a creative, what is the most important thing that you want people to know about Raph? Hmm. that is a big question Nick. <laughs> um, what's the first thing that came to mind because this is often the, the the response i get and i always just ask like what's the first thing that come to mind no matter how cheesy or or abstract or conceptual it may sound um man as cheesy as it, the first thing that came to mind was just like i'm just trying to like always be authentically me and like i think that no matter in what capacity you run into me i i largely act like the same and in in like my writing and in my performing like it's just an extension of who i am and uh that's i think why i like music so much so really it's it's like uh at the end of the day like what i want you to know is that like if you if you connect with like what I have to say, like I guess you know you and I aren't aren't so aren't so dis- like we're alike, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man, that's perfect. I love that, and I can attest that like every time I've interacted with you, uh, I feel authenticity authenticity coming through. So Thanks. there's no film over wrath. No, it's uh, you you wear yourself uh, proudly, and uh, I respect that and admire that. 
it's been a great conversation, man. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for sitting down with me and sharing your story and, yeah. uh, all you listeners out there, um, go find Raff and company and all the streaming platforms and, uh, raffandcompany.com, I believe is the website. Yep. And, uh, yeah, keep your eyes out for, uh, for Raff and whatever more he gets into. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Had a day I can't begin to think the things you want to say to me Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musicians Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.